So as we approach Hebrews 3, I want to say human beings created in the image of God and tainted by sin because of Genesis chapter 2, because of that we are a crazy mixture of glory and grossness. Can I get an amen? The human race is this very crazy mixture of victory and vice. We are saints and we are also sinners. Uh, Paul Harvey, the old radio guy, used to say of humans, humans are both dust and deity. Um, I thought that was a pretty good way to say it. Um, I got to see this on full display as I did a ride-along on Friday night with Justin Keller, police officer at Indianola. And uh, Justin's a good friend of mine, and I did a ride-along with him uh, Friday night. And it was so fun, you guys. It was so fun. Uh, We got into the office. I checked in. I signed the little form. And then I got to meet all the other officers and then we, um, we got a call, like, right away. Within three minutes of me getting there, we got a call. And it was a meth user and dealer, and we had to go out of town to help support the county police. And so Justin flipped his lights on, and the siren went on. <laughs> and then we got to drive... 85 miles an hour in a 25 zone. Yes! It was so great. And then we got to go 105 in a 55, which was really cool. The lines start blurring together when you drive that fast. And so then we got, we got to, to the area, and uh, Justin's like, hey, listen, I'll tell you if you can come out or not. You know, every stop we have tonight. I'm like, oh, okay. Can I come out? Can I come out like right now? And he's like, yeah, fine. Come on out. So I got to go outside of the car. I got to see how the process worked. And then right after that, we got back in the car. And then we had to go to Walmart for a theft situation. That was really cool. We went straight to Walmart and there was a thief in the store. And then we skipped across town to a no-contact order violation, Um, and and that was really cool because this is a frequent flyer drug user, and we got to uh, see him get arrested too. That was cool. And then we got to go to a nursing home to care for an elderly man who had a really bad fall, and he was bleeding all over the floor, and then that was just the first three hours. And I looked at Justin, and I'm like, is this always this busy? And he's like, no, just with you here. (laughs) And I said, well, I did pray to Jesus for some action. So, um, just yesterday I heard another police report from another police officer that goes to our church that there was a woman uh, yesterday in Des Moines lacking appropriate clothing, driving down I-235 at incredibly high speeds. She got in a car accident off of I-235 And then she got out of said car with her dog, whose leg was broken, and she took off sprinting away from the officers. And again, she's not dressed appropriately, and her dog is hurt, and she's running, 
and she goes to the embankment, which you know is just brown February grass, and she takes the grass, she's throwing it in the air all over herself, screaming that she needs to get to Hollywood. <laughs> she was transported to the psych ward after that. Came out of uh, the last couple, you know, days thinking this. We should thank God for our police officers. Amen? Cops, like all of us, we have to, they have to make spiritual decisions about what to do with all that their eyes see on a daily basis. Um, will their hearts get calloused or will they stay soft and tender? Toward the needs around them. Uh, will they continue to walk in hope and joy? Have you ever thought about that with a cop? Are they going to be able to walk with hope and joy in this world? Believing that their lives are making a difference? Or are they going to get super calloused by all the sin and the mess that they see? I told Justin Keller, he said, what did you think about the ride-along? I said, I think there's a lot of parallels between being a police officer and a pastor. That's what I think. Now listen, whether you're a cop, or a teacher, or a business owner, or a corporate employee, or a retired worker, or a stay-at-home mom, or a hairstylist, or a government employee, or a pastor, or a PTA president, or a community leader, or a sports coach, and on the list goes. No matter where you're at this morning, we as Christians need to make a choice in our minds and hearts this morning. Will we stay soft toward Jesus or will we harden our hearts and wander away from God because of all the crazy we see around us? Those are the decisions that are in front of us this morning as Christians. What are we going to do? Jesus said in Matthew ten sixteen that followers of him need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We as Christians are supposed to walk through the world with wisdom. Amen? We're also supposed to walk through this world with an innocent, childlike faith. And in a world that we live in right now, it's really hard to balance those two. Because either we want to be idealistic and totally disconnected to real life and real problems, or we get so cynical and hard-hearted that we want to just walk away from Christ. Church, we must be careful this morning that our hearts don't wander from the path of soft-hearted faith in Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow the, uh, the uh, overflow of life. And in this passage in Hebrews 3, it says in verse 12, Take care, brothers and sisters, take care. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that causes you to fall away from the living God. There's also three commands in this text to not harden your hearts. So church, don't harden your hearts from Christ. That's the goal this morning. Stay soft towards Jesus. Well, how do we do that? 
Well, this text is going to show us, and I want to give you two factors, two factors of a wandering heart, and then we'll go to the communion table together. Two factors of a wandering heart. Number one, the factor that we'll first look at is the story of a wandering heart. The story of a wandering heart. And for this, we have to jump back to Psalm 95. And then in order to understand that, we have to jump back to Numbers 13 and 14. And so um, you see the quotes in verse 7. Verses 7 through 11 is a quote of the author of Hebrews from Psalm 95. And he's quoting a, a David Davidic psalm. And David in Psalm 95 is quoting from Numbers 13 and 14. And so basically what we have to understand, if we want to understand Hebrews 3, we need to understand Psalm 95. Just a side note, if you're looking for a proof verse that the Bible is inspired, this is one right here, uh, verse 7. Therefore the Holy Spirit says, right? How do you know your Bible is the Word of God? Because verse 7 says that the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes Psalm 95. So basically, the author of Hebrews is saying, you know that thing David wrote in Psalm 95? That's inspired scripture. The Holy Spirit is actually talking through David. And David, in Psalm 95, is actually referring back to Numbers 13 and 14. So, we're going to bypass Psalm 95, and we're going straight to Numbers uh, 13 and 14, because I think you need to know the story of what it looks like to have a wandering heart. Because you might be like, well, do I have a wandering heart? Pastor, do I, do I have a wandering heart this morning? Okay, well, there's only one way to find out, and you look back at other believers who have gone before you, and you can kind of gauge where you're at. Okay, so Psalm, or, uh, Numbers 13 and 14 is really all about Israel entering into the promised land. So they are coming off of um, um, escape from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They worked their way up through the wilderness, and they're on the edge of Canaan, the land of Canaan. And so in Numbers 13 and 14, what happens is God commands that leaders be selected. He says, I want you to get 12 leaders, one leader from every tribe of Israel. And I want those 12 leaders to spend time spying out this new promised land that I'm going to give you. So that's exactly what happened. 12 leaders went and spent 40 days investigating the land of the Amalekites and the Canaanites. And if you go back to Numbers 13, you can see in verse 31 that when those leaders got done, they came back and they gave a report, and the report was not good. It wasn't good. Ten of the leaders came back and said, well, the land's really nice, right? A lot of blessing there. But the people are really big, and the cities are, have, they have big walls, and there's no way we could take the land. And then two spies, one named Caleb and one named Joshua, good name, I like that name. Those two spies are like, we can do it, people, we can do it, we can take it, we can take the land, okay? The nation of Israel, as they were listening to the reports, they start freaking out, okay? How many of you guys like bad news? Anybody? Nobody does, right? Bad news is like, ah, what? What? The whole nation got bad news. Because 10 out of the 12 leaders are saying, we can't do it. Now, if you're a leader in a home or a business or a church, be careful what you say. Amen? 
be careful how you say things. Because how you say things makes a difference to those underneath you. And so the whole nation starts spazzing out. They're like, we can't do it. All right, we're totally done. And the people harden their hearts towards God. They test God. In fact, when Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron say, people, I think we can do it. People started picking up stones to throw at their leaders to kill them. All right, leadership is risky. Can I get an amen? Risky. And so they wanted to stone these guys. They were like, we should just choose a new leader. Numbers 14.4, we're going to head back to Egypt. And God looks down from heaven and he gets angry. He's angry at his people and he's like, I'm going to take them all out. Every single one of them, I'm going to take them out. I'm tired of this. They have tested me ten times now. Isn't that interesting? God is keeping track of how many times he's been tested. That's just a note for your own heart. When you're testing God, he's keeping score. All right? So God says, all right, I'm going to take them out. Moses has to intercede on behalf of the people and say, God, please don't kill them. Just don't kill them. And, Moses, and God says to Moses, okay, I'll listen to you, Moses. I won't kill them immediately, but you can guarantee that this whole generation, is, their bodies will hit the floor in the wilderness. Every single person, 20 years and older, will not make it into the promised land because of their unbelief. So Moses comes back and he's going to tell the people, and the 10 leaders that gave the bad report, all of them died by a plague a bad way to go they died by a plague and everybody's upset and Moses is saying look your leaders that gave the bad report they're dead and here's where we're at right now and you guys are all going to die off as a generation because you didn't believe you hardened your hearts toward God and then everybody was like false repentance central everybody was like oh no whoa whoa wait 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 we missed it wait sorry we're really sorry Moses we're really sorry and then they, they huddle together, all right, like a sports team, and they're like, okay, let's go just take the land now. So Numbers 14 ends with this big group of people, without the blessing of God, getting ready to head into the promised land because they felt bad that they missed their first opportunity. And Moses goes up to this group and he says, that's not going to work well. You don't have the hand of God on you. You don't have the blessing of God on you. And they're like, whatever, Moses. They go in, they get slaughtered. By the Amalekites and the Canaanites. Warm and fuzzy story, right? Romans 15.4 says that the Old Testament was written for our learning. We are supposed to look at the Old Testament and look at our lives and learn from the past. And here's what this whole idea is in Hebrews 13. If you hear his voice today, verse 7... Don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of testing. Don't do it. Don't go astray like all the old people did in the Old Testament. Don't do it. That's a story of a wandering heart. And church, this morning, I just want you to look at it, and I just want you to understand that we, this morning, at Living Waters Fellowship, should not run away from this story. Don't run away from Numbers 13 and 14 and say, those dumb Israelites, I would never do that. 
How many of you are tempted to think that when you, when you hear the story? Like, man, those guys, they, they just didn't have it together. I would never do that. You wouldn't? Yes, you would. I wouldn't? Yes, I would. You think you're better than the nation of Israel? You're not better. You think you're good and you'll never wander away from Jesus? You'll never wander away from God? No, 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 no. The old hymn writer is correct. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The reality of your wicked heart and my wicked heart this morning is that given the opportunity, we are all that way. How many decisions are you away of wrecking your life? About three. Every one of us in this gym is about three decisions away from wrecking our lives and wandering away from the God we love. Don't wander away from Jesus. Don't harden your heart towards Jesus. Stay close to Him. See the story of Numbers 13 and 14 and walk away from it saying, God, keep me in humility. Keep me from that. That's factor number one. Factor number two is not only the story of a wandering heart, but the solution for a wandering heart. The author of Hebrews lays out for us the solution in verses 12 through 14 for potentially wandering away. So the question is, what do you do when you feel yourself beginning to drift spiritually, what do you do? Well, verse 12 through 14 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. The first thing you need to do is watch out. Verse 12, at the beginning, it says, Take care. That's a super nice Midwestern word, isn't it? Take care, y'all. I could be Southern, too, I suppose. Take care. Hey, take care. Take care. Take care. Hey, just take care. You're finishing up a lunch. Take care. You're finishing up a small group. Hey, take care. Have a good week this week, right? Okay. Here's the Greek word. Watch out! All right, my football coach used to say, dang it! Keep your head on a swivel! Right? I'm a strong safety. I've got, like, I keep my head like this. Why? On a football field so you don't get your head ripped off. Christian, what should you do if you feel yourself wandering away from God? Watch out. Heads up. You hear that in softball and baseball all the time. Heads up. Right? Get your head up. There's a ball coming your way. Dave Newhouse is in the front row. We're playing men's league softball like six years ago. Just, play, just warming up, playing some catch, you know, just this way, catch, this way. Okay, I'm talking to somebody next to me on my team. Shocker, I know, I'm talking, I have a good conversation. We're getting warmed up, you know. I get into a conversation, I'm not even paying attention to Dave. He's talking to somebody else as well. All of a sudden, like, I have one of those slow motion moments in my life, just like you've had. Take the ball, just... Fling it that way. Oh, sorry. I see Dave looking away. Dave's looking away, talking to somebody next to him. 
everything goes slow motion. No! Dave! And because I yelled Dave's, you know, name at that specific moment, the worst thing happened. Dave went like this. Whoa! Right in the forehead, right before the game. He had stitch marks in his, uh, you know, forehead. Dude, I'm still, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I still feel bad about that throw. Okay, watch out! Wandering spiritually is like getting a softball in your forehead. It comes on quick. You got to be diligent. There's no day off in the Christian life. There's no week off. There's no month off. You have to be on your guard because 1 Peter says that Satan's running around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour. What do I got to be careful about? Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. You can see this in verse 8 and verse 15. The word hard, hardening is there three times in this text, and it's a metaphor okay, for being obstinate and stubborn. Don't be stubborn. What do we have a hard time with in our lives? Being stubborn, right? Don't be stubborn. Your heart doesn't literally get hard, okay? So if you start wandering from Jesus, don't like feel your chest every day. That's not... It's a metaphor for being obstinate and stubborn. Don't fall away. You can see this in verse 10. Don't fall away. They always go astray. They always fall away. You can see it in verse 12, leading you to fall away from the living God. The word there, when we look at fall away, we think of um, you know, jumping off a cliff. Don't jump off a cliff. That's not the word. The word here, a fall away, it literally means to stay away, to stand aloof, or to stand in the corner. Don't stand in the corner in your relationship with God. If you feel yourself drifting, don't fall away with unbelief and hardness of heart, which leads you to stay in the corner of the room when Jesus is in the middle of the room. The illustration I thought of was a junior high dance. Don't be a junior high boy standing in the middle of the, you know, of, of the uh, corner of the gym, right? Get in the middle and start dancing. Not inappropriately, amen? But get in the middle. Have fun. You know, we don't, we don't jump off a cliff when we run away from Jesus. When we wander away from Jesus, we just stand in the corner, watch him get crucified. And say, oh, I feel bad. That's too bad for that guy. Somebody putting pressure on you about your faith in Jesus. You're like, hey, yeah, you know what? It's not that serious. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to put myself in danger here for my walk with Jesus. That's the drift. We're falling away. So what's the solution? To exhort. Exhort one another. It says... Uh, verse 13, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened with the deceitfulness of sin. The word exhort, it means to call to one side. So the idea of exhortation is to call to somebody to one side and get face to face and get personal with another believer that can warm your heart up towards Jesus. You want to stay close to Christ? 
You want to fight wandering away from Christ? Get with another Christian face to face and have them talk to you and you talk to them. Isn't this interesting? This is different than maybe what we would expect in our Christian life. If I'm wandering away from Jesus, some, sometimes I'm just like, Jesus, can you just zap me with some spiritual lightning or something to push me back toward you? Can you like whisk me away and just, and just maybe some divine transaction that you and I have? And God is saying in this text, absolutely not. The way you don't wander away from Christ is by getting with somebody else. Go have a conversation. What is our society stinking at more and more and more? Having a conversation. Just yesterday, I shared with a young man who trusted in Christ uh, in the last couple years, who feels stuck. I shared with him this verse. And he said, I just don't know why I'm stuck. Why am I stuck? Why can't I, why, Pastor, why can't I get over the next hump of my Christian life? And I said, because this word says you need to like talk to somebody like we're talking right now. And he was like, yeah. Yes, that's what I need. Watching Justin Keller as a cop, I mean, he's part police officer, part counselor. He's like a biblical counselor out there just having conversations with people who are wrecking their lives. And sometimes the greatest thing you can do for someone who's wrecking their life is to sit face to face with them and say, this isn't going to go well if you keep going this direction. So if you're a believer and you feel yourself wandering away from Christ, don't isolate yourself like your flesh wants you to do. Get with somebody. Get a counseling session with Andy. Get a meeting with a pastor. Get with your small group leader. Get with your Christian friend that you trust, that you can share your life with. Stop communicating at, through screens. Just stop. It doesn't always work great. Get with somebody face to face. Share with them what's going on with you. Let them share what's going on with them. We are so instrumental for each other. You can't live the Christian life by yourself. You have to have somebody else you share it with. So for some of you, you need to understand that we are to exhort one another every day. How many, how many times you got to do it? Every day. Literally? I don't know if that's literal. I mean just like in a rhythm. You need to be with people. So communion, as we go there, these are my favorite Sundays because we get to evaluate where we're at. We have this great Jesus that is calling us this morning to not harden our hearts. For some of you, you have hardened hearts this morning. You are walking through hard things and you are like, I am almost done with Christianity because like the love of Jesus that I hear about and the sin that I'm experiencing in this world, they don't jive together. For some of you, you just need to have a softening session right now. You need to come to your Jesus and tell him exactly what's going on in your heart. We get to go to communion and remember what Christ did on the cross for us. And we get to look 
face to face, not in the corner of the gym, right in front and center with Jesus. We get to see him dying on the cross for us, rising again for us. So I'm going to pray, and then every believer in Jesus, you are welcome to participate in the elements. You can pray to God, and whenever you're ready, you can go back and get the elements and bring them to your chair. We'll partake together as a group. So if you're saved, this is a perfect time to confess wandering, drifting. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, this is a perfect time to surrender your life to Jesus. Romans 10, verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So we have about 10 minutes or so just to go to the communion. Praying you'll be blessed by it. Let's close our time here in a word of prayer. God, we love you. We don't want to get hardened, God, by our sin. Lord, prone to wander. Lord, we feel it this morning. Prone to leave the God we love. Lord, I pray that you would be with every Christian in this gym, that you would encourage them and strengthen them. Help them not to run past the Numbers 13 and 14 story. God, help every Christian here to take it seriously to search after our own hearts, to confess sin, to to make it a goal to get with somebody even this week. God, soften our hearts to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every person, God, in this gym this morning who does not know you. Lord, may this morning be the morning that they repent and get saved. God, guide our communion time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.